When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On the premiere of Sonic Impact, a young boy's lifelong obsession with Paul McCartney brings him face to face with his musical hero. Seven feet away from McCartney, as you rolled off 22 songs, 12 of them were Beatles songs. And together they make television music history. But I remember getting the phone call from Paul McCartney, literally in my kitchen, saying, Joel, I just watched it. We're going to win an award. One of the all-time great moments of my career. This is Sonic Impact, Paul McCartney. Hey, welcome to Sonic Impact. I am Elliot Goldberg. And I'm Olivia Goldberg. And you might have noticed we have the same last name. That's because Olivia is my daughter. And Hi, Dad. Hi, Olivia. Welcome to the first episode. I'm so excited about this. Me too. You know, it's rare, I think, that a father-daughter are co-hosting a podcast, and that I thought was just a really cool idea to Absolutely. do. Absolutely, yeah. When you when you told me that idea, I was like, that's so unique. Obviously, we have a great relationship, so I thought it would be so much fun. Also, just the idea for the podcast was right up my alley. It's something that we've bonded over. Well, I mean, the fact that I turned you on to music at five, six years old, and I just wanted to pass it on to you and your brother, and you took it and ran with it. Now you are like a music fanatic. Absolutely. It's like consumed so much of my daily life, listening to music, playing music. And I remember listening to the Beatles on my iPod Nano at like seven <laughs> years old. There's um, an old reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also I've become really into guitar and now it's like my favorite hobby. And you go to concerts all the time. Now you've, I think, surpassed me in terms of your current music passion, I have to say. So yeah. I'm thrilled you're doing this. <laughs> so what is Sonic Impact and what is this podcast? So the idea, you can get it from the title. It's the artist or band that had a huge impact on a person's life. And our guests will come on each week and talk about that one artist and how they changed the course of their life. And Olivia, you can get this from your own experiences. Absolutely. There are so many people that I could use as my Sonic Impact. When I think about it, probably one of the biggest has to be Billie Eilish, who has been my favorite for many, many years at this point. I started listening to her, I think, when I was... All of three years, I think, right? Three years? How dare you? <laughs> no. I started listening to her when I was probably 15. I'm now almost 21, so okay, almost six years. I stand corrected. I've, six years. Yes. Yeah. I love her. She grew up in LA, and so did I, and we're pretty much the same age. I feel like her music is just extremely relatable to me and so many other people our age, and she really just reflects growing up in the time that we are in. She's absolutely changed my life. I've seen her live, I think, four or five times. That's partly why I wanted you to do this podcast with me, because I wanted a different generation and gender take than just me, who has my own musical taste and perspective. And so we're going to bring that to this. 
And that's why I'm so glad you're doing this. Yeah, me too. But I also think there's a lot to be said for what we do have in common. Yeah, for sure. For example, what I know is your sonic impact is also one of mine. I know you know it's Paul McCartney unquestionably. I mean, the Beatles, I can say all of them, but and it's specifically Paul. That's why I'm so excited about this first episode and our first artist, Paul McCartney, and the impact he had on a young guy named Joel Gallon. It's absolutely an unbelievable story. And so for every episode, I am going to do a little bit of research about the musical artists that we have for myself, because there's a lot of them that I don't know. And also for all of you listeners out there, just so we can have a little context for the time in which these stories took place. So 1990, Paul McCartney, two decades, 20 years after the Beatles have broken up. 20 years, almost exactly. 1970 to 1990. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So during this time, Paul McCartney had more than a dozen solo albums. He certainly was keeping busy. Obviously had a lot of success topping the charts. Singles like Say, 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 Ebony and Ivory. All of his classic. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right. So he's making a lot of glossy, poppy, 80s stuff. And he really is not very in touch with the Beatles anymore. He's not playing Beatles songs on tour. No. He had a a massive world tour, several world tours over these two decades. But in the 80s, really was not playing much, if any, Beatles music at all. It was a large majority Wings music and other solo music. So come 1990, there's this opportunity for this new show, MTV Unplugged, that Paul McCartney hears about. I can imagine that Paul McCartney was really enticed by the idea of just stripping down, going back to his roots, just him and an acoustic guitar and playing some older songs. Playing Beatles songs. I mean, people don't realize that now he plays Beatles songs on all of his tours. He hadn't played Beatles songs in some of the songs he hadn't played ever. So that's where we find this incredible story. Our guest today is Joel Gallen. Joel is one of the most prolific music, television, live event producers in the business. He did years of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Video Music Awards, the Video Movie Awards, and countless other shows, including Unplugged. So the year is 1990, and this is Paul McCartney's Sonic Impact on Joel Gallen. Joel, welcome to Sonic Impact. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's start back at the beginning. Where did you grow up? When did you get into music? And how did you discover the Beatles? Well, I was born in Michigan, but at a very young age, we moved to uh, New York. I grew up in Rockville Center, Long Island. My initial love for music and my love for the Beatles sort of happened simultaneously because I was uh, driving home with my brothers and sisters. I'm the youngest of four. We were racing home to watch the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. I was just a little bitty little thing, but I definitely comprehended what was happening. And we sat there and watched them on the Ed Sullivan show in my mom's bedroom sitting on the rug. And then I think the Beatles were on several other times soon thereafter. And then my brother and sister started buying all their 45s and they started buying their albums. I don't remember anything about music before the Beatles. Once the Beatles hit, that's all I heard for a long time until I started realizing there's other music out there. I am so excited to speak to someone who actually was there to watch Ed Sullivan's show because people, you know, always talk about it. It was the moment for Tom Petty, all these artists that changed their life. So how did it change your young life? It just got me interested in in music and pop music. And my oldest brother was seven years older than me and my sister uh, five years older than me. So they had a lot of influence on anything I did because I looked up to them. But getting back to the Beatles, I remember one Sunday morning, I had a 45 of a song called There's a Place. And I remember listening to it maybe a little too early. 
and my mom came in and broke the record in half. That was that was <laughs> that was devastating. She was so angry that I woke her up, and I didn't even re- realize I was playing it so loud. But that's how into music at a young age I was, because I was just enamored with it, and especially the Beatles. We really have parallel young lives because my brother was a Beatles fan, and I stole all of his albums. You know, these album covers were so magical. Sgt. Pepper's Magical Mystery Tour, Abbey Road. Same for my son. My son, who's now 17, when he was five, he was listening to the Beatles. We have a room. It was my den that became the Beatles' room. He used to do Beatles puzzles. He started reading Beatles books. Yep. We watched all the Beatles movies. He just couldn't get enough of the Beatles. It sounds like for you and for a lot of us, the Beatles were sort of the gateway artist. It got you into all kinds of rock and roll, and but I assume that they stuck with you throughout. Once you're into the Beatles, you never disconnect from them. They're with you for life. No matter how much my taste has changed over the years, I got into Springsteen, right. but I still love the Beatles. I could tell you this one funny story. I once got fixed up uh, on a blind date with somebody and we started talking about music and I talked about the Beatles. She was like, yeah, I don't understand why people love the Beatles. I don't get it. I never went out with her again. And it was like, <laughs> I, she could have been the greatest person on the planet, but just the fact that she couldn't connect with the Beatles, I could not spend another minute with her. Was there a song or an album that was the one for you? She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand and Please Please Me. You know, those are the songs that I think really resonated. And then when the Beatles sound changed and they got a little bit more sophisticated, you know, like with Sgt. Pepper's and the White Album and Abbey Road, there's so much great stuff uh, on that record. But just that whole medley of Polythene, Pam and Mean Mr. Mustard and that whole yeah. group of songs that just never ended all the way through the, the end. I, I could go on forever and talk about why pretty much every song is great. And it's timeless. Like you can listen to this band 50 years later and it still sounds fresh. Obviously, Martin was such a huge impact on their sound. So I wanted to ask you about sort of the next leap. You go on to have a television career doing big music television specials. Maybe give a sense of like the memorable ones. Well, I would say would be when I got to MTV. I was there for four years. So I did five MTV Video Music Awards from 1989 to 1993. We had Madonna on a few times. We had Janet Jackson. We had Van Halen. But the 1992 one was the most memorable for me. It was the most rock award show in VMA history and pretty much any music awards show history. We had Pearl Jam, Nirvana, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Guns N' Roses with Elton John. We had Eric Amazing. Clapton and we had Black Crows. The other big thing that I I love about your career is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which you've worked with and met everyone and, and put everyone on television. So just a little piece of that experience of doing so many of those Rock and Roll Hall of Fames. I think I've done about 18 or 19 of them. I did a chunk of them in the 90s. Then I did a chunk of them from 2004 to 2014. Plus, I've been so lucky to do the concert that actually opened the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum in Cleveland. We did a six-hour concert live on HBO, which was the grand opening of the actual museum. So we had this huge concert and I was the man in charge of that. It was just packed with highlights. But everybody from Springsteen to Dylan to Bon Jovi to Mellencamp to the Pretenders, all on the stage. And then many years later, 2009, I did the 25th anniversary of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert at Madison Square Garden. Springsteen, U2, Mick Jagger, Metallica, Simon and Garfunkel. I think it's the last time they've ever performed together with it was at that show. It was amazing. Just listening to your memories, I can't imagine what goes through your brain when you're around this this level of talent and in charge of these shows and having to tell Springsteen or Dylan or work with these people. 
and you grow up as a kid sort of idolizing a lot of them. Just hearing myself with my enthusiasm right now, I had to rein myself in because I'll go on for hours to tell you about all the different stories, especially when it comes to someone like Springsteen or someone like the Beatles or McCartney, of course, or U2 or any of these artists, seeing them in concert anywhere from 25 to 50 times. The fact that I'm sitting in a room with them or giving them suggestions or just basically supporting their vision. Man, to have a front row seat of music history like you have is is really, you have lived. And I won't go into it here, but the Prince story when the, when the guitar disappeared during the Harrison solo is one of the great rock moments in history. It was a tribute to George. You know, Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne were inducting him and they were going to do a couple Harrison songs at the end of the night and maybe a Wilbury song. And my plan was to close with that, but open with Prince, which is what we did. He did like a 10-minute medley of some of his greatest hits, and that's when his induction took place. But then I had the idea, like, hey, while my guitar gently weeps, again, one of my favorite Beatles songs of all time, and here we are paying tribute to George Harrison. I thought, what better way to end the night than have these guys do While My Guitar Gently Weeps, and Prince just comes out of the wings and just does the guitar solo. It, it would just be epic. As Beatle fans, it was a stroke of genius. His guitar solo that night, the look on Petty's face, the look on everyone's face, the look on your face must have just been like mouth dropping. It was. It was. And again, without any rehearsal, not that he needs it, but he looked great and he sounded great. And it was just one of the most amazing moments in, in the history of rock and roll on television. Let's jump to the moment. Unplugged is now a popular show on MTV. You're getting really good artists, artists stripping down their great songs. Someone has the idea to get Paul McCartney. Tell us the story of how it all comes together. I was doing the 1989 uh, Video Music Award, and uh, one of our performances of that show was John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora on acoustic guitar doing Living on a Prayer and Wanted Dead or Alive. Nobody had ever seen these big stadium-type performances done, stripped down acoustically like that. It was probably one of the biggest highlights of the show. I remember Dead or Alive yeah. and on acoustic guitar with that double guitar neck. Yep. yep. That was like, oh, this is what Unplugged should be. We should get the biggest bands, the biggest artists on the planet, and strip away all the special effects and the amplifiers and all that. Just give us their songs in the most stripped-down, intimate, acoustic version. So we started doing the show. We had like Squeeze, Stevie Ray Vaughan, which was amazing. And then we had Hall & Oates. Hall & Oates were huge at the time. That was probably our eighth or 10th show or something like that. Somebody at MTV got the call from McCartney's camp saying that McCartney has been watching Unplugged and he was inclined to do an Unplugged. Could we have a meeting? So I was the lucky guy, got on a plane, went to uh, London, and we were gonna meet with Paul and Linda now, imagine this is me about to meet Paul McCartney. So the enthusiasm was pretty much off the charts. Uh, so I had to really contain myself and try to maintain my professionalism. Don't become little Joel Gallen watching the Beatles exactly. on Ed Sullivan. Yeah. I guess him and Linda were doing something on the BBC. So we were instructed to come to the BBC studios and meet with them in their dressing room. Walked in and there was Paul and Linda. We sat down, said hello, and we started talking about Unplugged. And he did a lot of the talking and said, I've been watching the show. I love the show. I think it's so cool. And I'd like to do it. And he loves playing the acoustic guitar. And he obviously has so many songs that lend itself to it. And I'm sure that's how he wrote most of his songs. So I say to him, okay, we're going to come over here and we're going to do Unplug with you. I said, we got to do at least an hour, maybe even an hour and a half. Because, you know, a half hour show, that's like five songs, maybe six. And so his response was, well, let's leave the audience wanting more. So he was still content that he wanted to do a half an hour. 
And um, it was like a, a street musician busking right outside the window, just playing acoustic versions of every Beatles song on the planet. Like, <laughs> like somehow this guy knew Paul was in there and Paul was getting a real kick out of that. Anyway, I think we were meeting with him in November and then we were going to do the show then in January of 91. So I went to London and I wanted to get there a few days early, obviously, to make sure everything was going right. Also, we actually set up another unplug the night before with the cure. So we were doing two oh, shows. Wow. Yeah. So we were doing I didn't know you did the cure unplug. Yeah, That's yeah. amazing. Anyway, but here we are four or five days before the show, and we go up to McCartney's house, his farm. Because the idea was we're gonna go to his house where he had set up a rehearsal space in his barn. This is where he was gonna run the songs for us to see four oh, days okay. before the show. But this is not where the show was going to be. I wish it was where the show was going to be because I think it probably would have been pretty cool. But he was going to run his five or six songs for us for this quote-unquote half-hour unplugged. So yeah. we get there. There was like two rundown sofas in there. And, you know, seven feet away is McCartney. And then, of course, surrounded by his five or six-piece band. And he has his uh, music stand with all the lyrics to all the songs, I guess in case he forgets the words. And he starts running his set. And after about five or six songs, they go, all right, this must be the last song. Oh, it does another one. Oh, this must be the last song. And then he does another one. He does 22 songs. We sat well, there well, seven feet away from McCartney as he rolled off 22 songs. Probably 12 of them were Beatles songs. The rest of them were basically just covers of songs that he loved, like old 50s, early 60s that he was really in influenced and inspired by. No wing songs, just Beatles songs and early influence songs. Joel, he's already said to you, I'm playing five songs. Yeah. When you were gone, did he just decide, okay, I'm going to do 22 songs? I asked the same question. He said, well, that was our intention. But when we got into it, we said, well, what about this song? What about that song? And then they, they liked how they were all sounding. So they said, we'll do them all. So we had enough for a two-hour special at that point. And then the other thing was funny. I mentioned the lyric sheets that he had for all the songs. And he starts doing all these Beatles songs that I knew every word to just as a fan. So you'd think the guy that wrote the song would remember all the words, but he was like reading like lyrics on And I Love Her and he's reading lyrics on We Can Work It Out. And, and, and even with the lyrics, sometimes he would mess them up and then he'd have to look down again. Afterwards, they said, I'm just curious. I mean, do you think you're going to need the lyric sheets? Because we don't want this Beatle, this legendary guy having to rely on, on music stuff. Obviously, we probably could have put in a prompt. He goes, no, no, I'm going to be good by the time we do the show. But he explained to me a lot of the songs he was doing on that Unplugged, he hadn't performed or done since they recorded the songs. Because you remember when the Beatles toured, wasn't that many tours, and they did a lot of covers, and they did all their upbeat, energetic songs, and their sets were really short. So a, a song like And I Love Her, he literally hadn't played since he recorded it. So oh he was like, he had to like sort of relearn the lyrics, even though he wrote the lyrics. Same. And you're sitting there yeah. listening to yes. him do this but before anyone else in the world. Is. You must have just yeah. mind blown. Mind blown. We can work it out. And ironically, that was the song. If you go back and watch Unplugged, where he did mess up the lyrics and he went to the second verse instead of the first verse. When the song opened, then he stopped. He goes, oh, we got to start again. And we left it in because we just thought it was so charming. But then afterwards, I, I remember being inside his house, talking to Linda, looking at her photo books and just having such a, an amazing time with them. And then also the afternoon of the rehearsal, just going over stuff with them and, and hanging out with them in their dressing room and getting my picture taken with Paul, which was a must. And then being able to capture this thing with my team is certainly one of the all-time great moments of my career. I have to think that rehearsal alone yeah. in his barn as he's running through songs, forgetting lyrics, and you're hearing these songs for the first time. Didn't he play I've Just Seen a Face? Was that on yeah, that show too? Absolutely. He I did that. that. Yep. He did I've Just Seen a Face, which which you were asking me earlier, 
what are some of the Beatles songs that you really, that really resonated with you? And that was one of them, but it was amazing. That session in the barn, I wish we had cell phones we could have filmed, a memory for me and one that I'll treasure forever. He is, for me, the most important, uh, not just musical artist, but sort of entertainer. So to hear this story and to hear that you were able to hang out with a Beatle, try to put that into words, because I've met him briefly and I couldn't speak. How do you hold it together? I'm sitting with Paul McCartney, producing Paul McCartney. It's hard to really remember exactly how I felt because I was in the moment trying to put the show together and make it as good as possible, but almost have equally as great memories a year and a half later when I worked with him again. It was a show that ended up being called Paul McCartney Up Close, and I convinced him we should do it at the Ed Sullivan Theater. The Ed Sullivan Theater had not been taken over by Letterman yet, and he was very hesitant. First he said, well, maybe we should do it at the Cavern Club or some other bar in Liverpool. So he was into going back to his roots to do the show. But then I got a call days later saying, Paul's going to come to New York and we're going to do it at the Ed Sullivan Theater. And we immediately booked the Ed Sullivan Theater. And then the concept of that show just became Paul going back to where it all began. We sort of filmed him going through the side entrance, you know, where the Beatles first entered the Ed Sullivan Theater. He sort of toured around the backstage area trying to bring back memories. Then I sat him down in the balcony and I was sitting there right across from Paul McCartney with my great uh, cinematographer, his name is Robert Leacock. We shot this in black and white. Nobody but me, Robert Leacock, and McCartney. And I interviewed him for an hour and a half. The interview was just asking about each song he was going to play. Tell us about Penny Lane. Tell us about Lady Madonna. Tell us about fixing a hole. If you go to my website, I think the whole special is on there. But he just shared these amazing stories about all of these songs that I had never heard before. And I think to this day, still a lot of those stories, a lot of people don't know. So after the second night, I went backstage and started talking to him about the editing of the show and all that. And so there's a filmed conversation, just me and McCartney talking about night one, the four, this song was better, but on night two, this was better. And then he talks about how he messed up the words on one night, but it was just such a nice feeling. We just were talking like we're friends. And I remember when we were editing the show and I would send him cuts, I guess we sent it to him on a VHS, but I remember getting the phone call from Paul McCartney, literally in my kitchen, in my tiny little rental home in Studio City, saying, Joel, I just watched it. It's amazing. I love it. We're going to win awards. I mean, he was so proud of it. And I was just so blown away that he picked up the phone and called me. I still have like faxes that he sent me over the years. And then I got to work with him again. A few years after that, I did this benefit for PETA because him and Linda were obviously very much PETA supporters. And then Linda passed away. So they did a tribute to Linda and I was producing that show. And that was heart-wrenching. There was Paul crying on stage, uh, trying to say a few words about what this would have meant to her. So I've been so fortunate to work with him five or six times now, including the most recent time when he inducted the Foo Fighters in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What were your memories from the show? Were there a couple of key memories for you? Sonically, it was perfect. It was a fantastic show. I do remember this from Unplugged, because this is another legendary name. The engineer recording it was Jeff Emmerich who engineered all the Beatles records. And I remember Paul saying right after that show, he's going to take the cassette and he's going to listen to it in his car. This is how we used to do it. I guess soon after that, he decided he wanted to release it as a uh, collector's item vinyl. So there is an unplugged vinyl out there. I have a copy, but I think they only printed like 300,000 copies and it came out on Capitol. It was a limited edition and they didn't touch it. It was the live mix of what Jeff Emmerich did that night. Unplugged is now, it's a classic, but yeah. at the time it was a new thing. It and was so a very new thing. Absolutely. Paul McCartney was one of the first like 15 shows we did. Neil Young, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, which was the first show I ever directed, all happened after McCartney. 
a couple of years ago, my Beatle obsession led to doing a tribute concert for John Lennon's 75th birthday. And there was Yoko Ono with Steven Tyler sitting in the front row, watching all these great artists play her husband's catalog. And that was for me, one of the truly great moments of my life. But it is a special moment when you're sitting there watching these songs that you've grown up with that have influenced you and then they're being played live and televised. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yep. So you've worked with everybody in the music business, put on the most amazing concert specials, but Paul McCartney and the Beatles led you on this journey. And then here you are. It's a lot to sort of wrap up, but I want to see if you can put into words. First of all, I think back on my my older brother who was a profound influence on me. I really looked up to him and he helped shape who I am today. And, and I followed his footsteps a lot. And his love for music was unparalleled. He's the one that got me into the Beatles. And I just would listen to the Beatles over and over again and listen to how those records sounded and how you can never get sick of them and how good they made you feel. And and I remember my sister's favorite Beatle, of course, was McCartney. So that became my favorite Beatle. She had posters of him. I think she was in the Paul McCartney fan club. So I think what the Beatles represent to me is like family. It's like I think back at my childhood and it just always seemed to revolve around the Beatles. Because you remember my older brother who I worshipped, who was seven years older than me. So this was our connection. But I never would have dreamed in a million years that I'd be as successful as I was, meet the many people that I met, including Mr. Paul McCartney. Sir Paul McCartney. It's really sweet that we're, we're talking about the Beatles and the influence of them on your life and career. And you went back to your family, that your brother and your sister were the ones through the Beatles that impacted you. Yes. And without their influence, who knows where you would have landed. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Anytime I was doing shows in my younger days, I would sit there going, I wonder what Jeffrey will think of this show. I wanted to please him, but Jeffrey was so like, oh my God you're doing that show? He was like so excited. And my sister yeah. really pushed me to become the producer I became. So definitely it all comes back to family for sure. So I have to sort of connect the dots. The fact that you saw the Beatles on the, on the Ed Sullivan show, I feel like something implanted in your young brain right. about television, about music. Was I inspired by them? Absolutely. Was it a, a dream come true when I got to work with a Beatle? I mean, I was on a certain path and whether or not it was all because I saw the Beatles as a young child on yeah. Ed Sullivan, we'll never know, but let's go with it. Yeah. It didn't hurt get you where you were going. So wrapping it up, Joel, how does Paul McCartney lead you on your journey and influence your life? Well, I would say that him and John Lennon and George Harrison, I mean, these were the greatest, you know, singer-songwriters of all time. And certainly McCartney's music, he captured magic in a bottle for those seven, eight years of Beatle records, and they made me love music. His influence, probably more than any of the Beatles or any other artist, made me love music. Even though I'd go over here to Springsteen and over there to the Allman Brothers Band and over here to the police, I'd always come back to the Beatles. And no matter what age, no matter what stage I was in my life or my career, the Beatles were always on the turntable. And I never could get enough of them. And to this day, when I'm in the car, the Beatles' uh, series station is on all the time. It's what I bonded with my son over. It's what I bonded with my, my brother and sister over. So these can be emotional. I'm getting emotional just hearing it because it brings back such key memories and it's the key yeah. to our life, these bands. If my brother hadn't shown me those records, I'm not sure I would be the person I am today. I picked up the guitar because of the Beatles and McCartney. I, I directly put back to McCartney. So when I met him, I, I really flubbed and it really 
pissed me off because <laughs> I, I didn't, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know I was going to meet him. So uh, last question, Joel, and I appreciate so much you sure. opening up. What would little Joel Gallon think of grown-up Joel Gallon if you could talk to him right now? You know, that kid who saw that Ed Sullivan show and where you landed. It's pretty funny to think. Never really thought about that, but he would be thrilled. He would be over the moon. He would be like, holy shit. I mean, how did that happen? That, you know, productions that feature many, if not all of my idols from the time I grew up till now, it's just mind boggling. Well, I'd like to tell little Joel Gallon that big Joel Gallon has made himself something. So there you go. Well said. Thank you. Joel, I want to thank you so much for your time. And I could do five more of these. Maybe we'll do a Joel Gallon series if you're into it. Thanks so much for joining us on Sonic Impact. I appreciate it very much. My pleasure. And anytime, I'll be back. Just, just say the word. Prince, next time we will do. You got it. Well, if that wasn't the most perfect first guest for this podcast, Sonic Impact, I don't know who would be. That was just one of the most phenomenal stories I've ever heard. A dream of a story. What a great storyteller Joel is. But let's talk about the artist for a second. Paul McCartney's influence in my life is so immeasurable, and I know for you as well. Yeah, I would do so many things to be able to look him in the eyes and tell him what he means to me. So to have that opportunity and... Not just that, to work with him and get a private concert. I can't quite comprehend the emotion. And I think we're a little jealous that Joel was alive during the time when the Beatles went on Ed Sullivan. I can't imagine even seeing them like the first time. A little jealous is definitely putting it kindly. I'm very, very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I always say like if I could go back to any time period, I would want to be a young person in the 60s at the height of yeah. the Beatles. And Joel got to live that and so many other dreams that he probably could not have ever dreamed of. So diving back in the story, Olivia, there's so many incredible moments that he talks about, but just taking a few important ones. He sees the Beatles on Ed Sullivan as a young boy. That inspires him to get into music, become a really huge music fan. But then to all these years later, to actually get to work with Paul multiple times. And there's something about... Being alive and being young when the Beatles were becoming the Beatles and having that sort of connection to it, that just makes it extra special. I think, Olivia, what's also really unique about the situation is that the Beatles were before our lifetime, but they're still with us. And now Paul McCartney's touring at almost 80 years old. Yeah. On the flip side of me wanting to have been alive in the 60s, I am so unbelievably grateful to be alive at the same time as him. And while he's still touring, because we are seeing him in Woo! just four days. I just cannot believe that I will be breathing the same air as him <laughs> in a massive stadium. I can't even imagine how Joel felt sitting in his private personal barn. Ugh. But Olivia, you saw them when you were really little. I have taken to him before. Yeah, Paul McCartney was my first concert. I think that's the coolest thing ever, even if I don't remember it very much at all. It was Yumi and Griffin, my younger brother, and the three of us are are going in a few days. I think that's also relates to Joel's story. If we go back to what really the key part of the story is, his family, his brother, his sister, mm -hmm. you can hear it in the interview. Joel actually gets 
choked up. He gets really emotional about his family. And because the music connected him with his brother and his sister, and they exposed him to Paul McCartney. And so that bond with his family was so key, just like our bond. I would say that of all the things that we have bonded over and all the things that connect you and I and your brother, Paul McCartney, the Beatles, is right up there, one of the top. Absolutely. And I think that's the point of this podcast, just the impact that music can have and the way that it connects people. It connects an artist to a listener. It connects fans to each other. The best feeling is standing in a crowd of strangers and all singing along to lyrics that you all know. It connects people and it connects us to strangers and it connects us to our friends and our family. And I think that's one of the things about this story in particular, but many of our stories, that these artists influence our guests in such profound ways. And then later in life, they get to meet them or work with them or spend a night with them. Not literally sexually, (laughs) but well, maybe on some of our, we'll see. But I mean, that is so profound and so impactful on someone's life. Absolutely. I, I always think about this weird dichotomy of idolizing these people and seeing them as literally almost godlike. And it always makes me want to just meet them so badly and talk to them. So I always wish that it was possible to sit down with your idols and, and tell them what they mean to you. So when you when you get those rare opportunities in life, that's just some really amazing strokes of luck. And it seems like Joel really utilized his stroke of luck. Well, his career and his life are truly hard to imagine for most of us, but that is the essence of what this podcast is about, what we're going to talk about every week, what our guests are going to come on and give their stories. They're funny, they're strange, they're emotional, they really run the gamut, and we're thrilled to be able to share these with you each week. So before we wrap up, every episode we ask the guests to name the five songs by the artists that had the greatest impact on them. So here's Joel's top five Paul McCartney or Beatles songs, and he actually couldn't narrow it down to five, so I gave him a six. All My Loving, You Won't See Me, Oh Darling, Golden Slumbers, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, and Let It Be, of course. So I want to thank you all for joining us on the first episode of Sonic Impact. And my amazing young co-host and daughter, Olivia Grace Goldberg. I'm so thrilled you're doing this. You've become such a music connoisseur. Thank you, Dad. I wouldn't be here without you. <laughs> Literally. No, you Literally. wouldn't. Literally. So we have a great season ahead of us. I hope you'll come back for more episodes. We have you 2 Bruce Springsteen, Bob Marley, Dolly Parton, Elvis Costello, and many, many more. And if you have a great Sonic Impact to share, go on our website, sonicimpactpod.com. All right. We'll see you next time on Sonic Impact. Bye, Olivia. Bye, Dad. Sonic Impact is a production of Sonic Impact Media. The podcast is produced, written, edited, and hosted by Elliot and Olivia Goldberg. The show is mixed and mastered by Justin Longerbeam. The artwork is designed by Keanu Narcaso. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. 
Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour.